of God's Word. We are people who acknowledge that He speaks to us through this Word. The, 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 the pages within this particular Bible it would number in different, uh, I suppose, from the number of pages in your Bible, but it's all the Bible. The, it depends on the size of the print and the, the, uh, the, uh, the translation and so forth. But there are 66 books in this Bible. There are 66 separate cases of writing uh, written over the span of hundreds and many hundreds of years. Close to 2,000 years, in fact, over which th- this was written from the very first writing of, of Scripture as the Holy Spirit anointed someone to the very last. And it's all truth. It, it does not simply contain truth. It is truth. It does, it does not only contain portions of the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And, and, and everything that we are supposed to know about Him is written within these pages. Are there things about God that that this book does not address? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are many things about God that this book does not explain. We will have eternity for that. But everything that we are supposed to know right now, or everything that we can comprehend with our limited minds, some of us more limited than others, but with our limited, everything that we are supposed to know is right here. I love God's Word. Love God's Word. Looking back at Jeff Voigt. In fact, I'm going to mention Jeff here in a couple of weeks in another sermon. Jeff is like deer in the headlights right now. He's like, what's he talking about me? A couple weeks ago, on Monday night at our men's event, Jeff shared about how the power of God's Word transformed his life, starting as a young man. And it's it's still transforming his life. And many of you can say the same thing. You, you first discovered God's Word. Maybe it was before you came to Christ or maybe it was after. But the God's Word is powerful and it's transformational. And I'd like you to take that Bible. If you have that, if you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one, see me afterwards. But I'd like you to take your Bibles and please turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 4 as we continue to take a closer look at the life and the teaching of Jesus Christ. So, Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. As you've read the Word, if you've read the Word, you know that one of the key parts of Jesus' earthly ministry was His teaching. His teaching. His, uh, by His teaching, I mean His planting of kingdom truths into the minds and the hearts of people. Jesus would teach. You see this again and again throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then later on you see the disciples and the apostles taking God's Word, what Jesus said, and continuing to speak it into people's lives. And and you see them taking all of these Old Testament Scriptures and bringing it into people's lives. But Jesus, Jesus more than anyone, made these powerful truths presentable to people. And Jesus taught a lot. You know that if you read through the Gospels. The Bible tells us also that many people came to hear Him teach. Mark chapter 4 verse 1 says this, And Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around Him was so large that He got into a boat and He sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. 
You may wonder, why would Jesus do this? Why would he get away from the crowd? It wasn't that Jesus was being antisocial. Jesus valued teaching and he wanted people to hear him. He wanted people to, uh, to hear these words. And so you understand, those of you who have ever been in a boat, you understand that sound carries very well and efficiently over water. And so the crowd was so large that Jesus looked around and understanding all of this, gets in a boat, gets away from shore, and now as the crowd gathers on the shore, almost everyone, I'm sure, could hear him speak. The beginning of of verse 2 says this, he taught them many things by parables. So I want you to picture this. Here's Jesus out in the boat, and it says he began to teach them parables. Let me just explain for those of you who may not know A parable is a simple story with a common element that explains eternal truths. Here it is again. A a parable is a simple story with common understandable elements that explains eternal truths. It It is a vehicle, if you will, that takes a big kingdom truth and makes it understandable to everyone. That is the purpose of a parable. And Jesus told a lot of parables. Uh, In fact, there's about three dozen different parables that Jesus spoke, and you'll find them, you'll find some of them in every every gospel. Now, just pausing here in the text for a moment and, and still talking about parables, you would think that anyone who was raised in the home of a carpenter, you would think that 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 person would use a lot of illustrations regarding building or construction, right? You would think he would talk about all the... But surprisingly, he did not. His earthly father was Joseph, and he Jesus certainly knew his way around a carpentry shop, and he, I'm sure, knew some basic things about construction, but, but he did not use those kinds of illustrations. Interestingly enough, his illustrations were often agricultural. They were agricultural. He, he would use these little illustrations, these parts of his parable, and it would, it would have to do with, with, with plants. His stories included farms, farmers, crops, vines, vineyards, seeds, weeds, land, sheep, hand implements, and harvests. <laughs> Sometime I'm going to go back and, and just see how many of them involves some kind of agricultural reference. Now, we don't know exactly why he used these agricultural illustrations, but I think, this, this is me saying this, I, I think in, he, he did so in part because, and some of you know this, many of you know this far more than I do, I think Jesus knew that, that farmers have to do, deal with so many more variables than so many other people. Variables that can make a huge difference in the end result. Some of you know this, again, far more than I do, and the different, the different factors that go into a successful end result. The right seed, the right time, the right amount of moisture, the right amount of sun, the elimination of pests, the, 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 the ways in which it is sown, the depth of which it is sown, the, the, the cost of implements and, and the, the timing of harvest and, 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 and you know, all of the, your crop, and then you have a good, th- and then the 
crop prices and the taxes and the costs and all of these different variables go into a successful end result. Jesus, beginning with verse 3, Jesus briefly shared four different scenes with several of these variables. And I want you to listen for them as we read. Verse 3, Jesus said this, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. Sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. May the Lord speak to us through His Word this morning. So you have four scenes. Four different scenes. And in each of the four scenes, the seed... The seed was the same. I, I, have, I have some seeds in my pocket here now in my hand. Uh, uh, it's a corn seed because it's pretty big, and I want you to see it as well as you can. Corn seed. Kernel of corn. But it's a seed. In, in all of the four different scenarios that we just read, uh, the seed is the same. Later on, and we'll see this text here in a moment. But later on, we'll learn that the seed that Jesus is speaking about, again, illustrating this, is actually the Word of God. It's God's Word. As it's, as it's distributed, it's God's Word, His revealed plan to mankind. Again, that's what this is. This is God's revealed plan to mankind. And it says here that that seed is scattered in four different kinds of soil. And each soil that we just read here represents people's response to the Word of God. Again, just let, let me be very clear here that the seed is the same, the soils are different, and the soils represent how people respond differently when the Word of God comes their way. Sometimes refer to this as the parable of the sower or the parable of the, the seeds. The first kind of soil described, it says, was along a path. Now, you, you probably know this already that, that paths have a way of, of being compacted. <laughs> I thought, how can I, how can I do this? How can I, how can I illustrate this? Um, I, I thought, well, I could, I could make a path right up here on the platform, but you know, the custodians don't like that. And so I, I didn't construct a path. But what I do have here is I have some dirt. Soil. It's, it can, of course, be any kind of soil, but put it on this side. Here's the soil. 
And, uh, and this soil is, is compacted. Compacted ground, compacted ground, it's really hard on top here. It's very, very hard on top. It's hard on top because, because I, glued, I, I, glued, I glued some dirt to some cardboard. That's why it's compacted. <laughs> Just being honest with you here, because some of you are going to check this out later, and you're going to say, that's cardboard in there. Well, it was either that or I baked a bunch of dirt in my wife's oven, and that wasn't going to go over very well in our house, let me tell you. It's compacted. And again, many of you know this, that, that compacted dirt, if you're a gardener, if you're a farmer, if you know anything about plants, you know that, that compacted dirt is not something that is good to, it's not something good to, uh, to plant seeds in. It's not optimal for, for planting. The ground is hard. The, the seed cannot make an impression. I mean, it just, it hits it and, and it just kind of bounces off and it doesn't do very well because people have been walking on it <laughs> or carts have been going on it. And those of you who farm, you, that's, why you see, that's why you see big tires on, on tractors. It's, it's not just for traction, it's to distribute the weight so that there's less compaction because you can't plant seed very effectively in hard ground. It's hard. It, it doesn't penetrate the, the top crust. It it just kind of lays there. And, and in time, because it doesn't penetrate down into the dirt, it, it will essentially become very high-priced bird food. And this is what Jesus is saying. Sadly, when this happens, when, when the seed comes into contact with hard ground, the end result is never realized. The end result, the desired result, a, a productive, effective, reproducing harvest is, is never fully realized. It never becomes a viable plant. It doesn't even begin. It never produces a bountiful harvest, not even close. Again, in your Bibles, a few verses later, Jesus explained this part of his story to his disciples. In verse 15, Jesus said this, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes along and takes away the word that was sown in them. Again, Jesus is, is teaching, right? He's teaching people, not just telling a story. He wasn't out there for entertainment purposes. He didn't tell the disciples earlier that day, hey, let's go out on a boat and tell them a nice story. No, he was telling them this story with a purpose. And he was telling them that God's plan cannot be fulfilled when hearts are hardened. Jesus was telling them again that God's plan cannot be fulfilled when there are hardened hearts. He was giving those people there along the Sea of Galilee, he was giving them a warning, but here's the important thing, he's also giving us a warning this morning. He's given every person who's hearing this message today a warning that hardened hearts will result in no harvest. There's a warning, strong warning against hardened hearts. Now, <clears throat> often when we tell this story or we look at this, this parable of Jesus, we often, um, we often communicate it in regards to unbelievers. 
a, a person who does not yet have faith in Jesus Christ. Um, the word is shared with them. The word is, is shared with them that somebody, somehow, some way, usually prayerfully and carefully, not always, but usually, prayerfully and carefully, they take it and they, they scatter the seed and they share it with someone and they, they tell them about Jesus and they tell them about what He's done and what He's accomplished and, and yet there's resistance. It, it never really gets through. Many of you have seen this, this kind of resistance. Uh, sadly, many of you have. Maybe, maybe you shared Jesus Christ uh, with certain people for years in, in a lot of different ways. Maybe, maybe you shared your testimony with them and you tell them how he's changed you. And, and, and you go back in your history and say, this is where I was. Let me tell you about my life and how he's really changed my life. Let me tell you how he's transformed me. What a difference he's made in my mind and my body and my heart and my family and my relationships and my job and my finances and all of these different things. Let me, and you've shared the testimony with him, but there's, there's resistance. Maybe you've invited them to, to church or you say, I'll pick you up. I'll take you out afterwards. You, you invite them to a Bible study and say, you know what, we're having this Bible study over at, at this home. Or you invite them to a, a life group. Or you, you say, we're going to take part in this. And you, you invite them to some event uh, that, that's kind of, you know, not, not too confrontational. and It's not too heavy for them. And, and you invite them to come and, and they resist. You try talking to them about their eternal life. And you, you remind them that no one lives forever and and at least in this body, and that someday death is going to come to them like it comes, it's come to almost everyone else. And, 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 and you, you tell them this and they, and, and they resist. Maybe you say that you're praying for them, and they're generally pretty cordial about that, but they may resist when you say, can I pray with you? And they, they just kind of resist. It's hard when you see that resistance, sometimes strong resistance. In fact, some of you have been sharing with someone, and you know who they are. You've been sharing with someone, and for really decades, you've been getting this resistance, and it seems like the more that you share, not only is the resistance passive, but sometimes it's, it's quite aggressive. You say, I don't want to hear it anymore. Don't talk to me. Stop it with the religion. Not, not here. We're, don't talk to me about Jesus. Sometimes it even becomes quite vocal, very emotional. Anyone else here ever feel that way? You've scattered some seeds. But it seems like nothing's made an impression. Nothing has resulted. The thing is, the, the seed's not at fault. It's, it's good seed. It's good seed when you share the, the kingdom truths, these kingdom principles, these eternal principles. It, it's, it's good seed. You've been careful how it was presented. You didn't, even though they may say it, you didn't press it down their throat. You didn't, 
you know, you didn't get out a you know, boring tool and drill down and throw it in there and kick some dirt. You didn't do it like that. You, you were careful. You were intentional. You were gentle. You were prayerful. So what is it? What is it then? If, if, if it's not you and it's not the seed, then, then what is it? Well, as Jesus said in this illustration, it's a matter of their heart. It's a resistant heart. So understanding that really doesn't help us any. The question, maybe the greater question is, what softens a heart? If you're in that position, or you will be in that position, what do you do? What do you do when you have the seed, when you have the opportunity, and you see somebody that really desperately needs something to be sown into? What do you do? How do you soften a heart? Well, how do you soften a heart? Quite simply, one thing is you, 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 you can't do it. You can't do it. But let me give you this morning three brief but important directives. First of all, pray for them. Pray for them. Never underestimate the power of praying for someone. We call that intercession. They may not be praying for themselves. They may, well, and if they're not praying for themselves, they're probably not praying for someone else. But, but you're praying for them. You're standing in the gap, so to speak, and you are praying on their behalf. And you're praying for them. Never underestimate the power of prayer. And some of you have been in that position, maybe for a long time, maybe for a short time, and you're getting that resistance, and I encourage you this morning, I, I, I give you this direction, keep praying for them. You may get resistance, you may have to back off, you may have to not plant some seed uh, strategically for a time, but let me tell you something, you need to be praying so that, that that ground will become loosened up, and prayer can do that. Some of you have been praying for a very long time, keep praying. Uh, Often before we go to a person about God, let me, let me make that a little more, more. Sometimes before we go to a person about Jesus Christ, we must frequently go to Jesus Christ about a person. And, and, and that, that can loosen the soil. Number two directive, and that is don't give up on them. It's persistence. You see, you, you don't know who else is praying for them. You don't know who else is actively involved with them. But you might be, you might be the only one who is, who is in a place to minister to that person. Now, now, I believe we should also pray that God brings other people into their life. That is certainly something that we can pray. Some of you have children or, or a loved one who's in a far-off place and you can't have that day-to-day, but you're praying for someone who will and you've seen that answered. We can certainly do that, but don't you give up on them. Don't you stop praying for them. Don't you stop loving them. And don't you stop looking for an opportunity. You persist. You may be, you may be, one of the few people in their life who is still trusting God on their behalf. Now, that's a holy role. That's a heavy responsibility, but it's a holy responsibility. Don't give up on them. And the third thing that I just want to give to you, and that is wait for times of brokenness. 
wait for times of brokenness. Let me explain this. Um, I have often, this is, this is from experience, oftentimes when you try to plant, there's, there's resistance, there's resistance. And so you back off and you pray and you keep involved with their lives and you keep, you, you build bridges, you don't burn down bridges. You, 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 you don't build walls, you build bridges and you, you keep that relationship with them. But here's the thing, over the course of a lifetime, everyone, everyone, no exceptions, everyone is going to find times of crisis. Everyone. Everyone, a person who's not a follower of Jesus, and those who are, we're, we're all facing crises, but that person who's not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, they're going to face some kind of life-changing event. Someone close to them is going to die. They're going to be diagnosed with some disease. They're going to be going through some kind of financial um, sideways event or, or, or downward event. They're, they're, going to, they're going to face some kind of stress. Somebody is going to turn on them. They're going to lose a job. Something is going to happen. And when those occasions happen, suddenly it's on those occasions that the dirt can get stirred up just a little bit and there's an opportunity to penetrate it with the Word of God. You'd be watching for it. There have been times, and I, and I, I do not say this with any kind of... Uh, I don't say this with any kind of delight. I, I, it's a hard prayer to pray. But there have been a number of times where people that I have known who have been very resistant to the gospel where I have said, Lord, spare their lives, but bring them to a place of brokenness. Bring them to a br- place of brokenness to where they're open and receptive to what God has for them. It's just a matter of time that they're going to face those times. And if you're in relationship with them and you've been praying for them, then you are going to quite possibly be very strategically used by the Holy Spirit to go into that life and that seed will penetrate deep and we will see eventually a plant and beyond that a harvest. Thank God for those opportunities. They're hard, but thank God for times of brokenness. So some directives. And at this point, we could very easily say, all right, let's stand close in prayer and pray for those you know, unsaved. It would be very easy to do that, but I'm not going to do that. Because if you think that this parable relates only to the unsaved, you're wrong. I mean, it would be very easy to look at these early verses of chapter 4, Gospel of Mark, and say, you know, that's just, that's just talking about non-believers, uh, people who aren't yet Christians, and, and call it at that. But, but do you know that It also relates to those who are in Christ. Maybe you already know this. Christians can become hard-hearted. Followers of Jesus Christ, people who have surrendered their lives to Him, can become hard-hearted. I've seen it. And at times I've started to become it. What causes a hard heart in a Christian. What is it? Well, there's, there's actually a lot of things, I suppose, that could. But uh, I, I want to I focus on just three this morning. First of all, pride will make us hard-hearted. By pride, I mean thinking that even in, in small ways that we have arrived spiritually. By pride, I mean that We've been serving Jesus a long time and we kind of have most of it figured out. Uh, for those here this morning who've been following Jesus for, let's say, some years, 
could be a, quite a long time, but let's just say some years. There, there's an inherent danger in following Jesus, and let me serve as a warning, there's an inherent danger in, in serving Jesus for a long time, and that is that we, we start thinking, I got this down. Now, I don't know that we'll ever say that. I don't think I've ever said it, but there have been times in my life where I've kind of thought, you know, I've read through the Bible more times than I know. I don't even keep track anymore. And I, I, I know all the stories, and I've, I've served him a long time, and I gave my life to him back in 1960-something. And, and boy, it's just a, I've been serving him a long time. And there's a danger in saying, I, or thinking, or feeling, or that we've got it all together, that I've got the answers. One chapter earlier, Mark chapter 3, Jesus encountered some Pharisees. Pharisees, by the way, were not Christians. Um, some later came to Christ, we know that, but um, the Pharisees were, were a Jewish sect. And the, uh, the Pharisees were people who were very proud of their heritage. We're going back a couple of hundred years. They were very proud of their religious practices. Um, they did them very well. They, they knew the Mosaic law very well, and, and a lot of things even stacked on top of that. And, and so they were very proud of kind of where they were. And, and many people deferred to them. Oh, they're a Pharisee. They've got it together. Oh, they're a Pharisee. They're really godly people. That was kind of the feeling. When we look, talk about Pharisees, we automatically think of hypocrisy now. But back then, the Pharisee was, that was, they were spiritually big Jesus. It says, however, of them that Jesus was grieved at their hardness of heart. It says that just one chapter earlier. He, Jesus was grieved at their hardness of heart. Isn't it interesting that here are these people who had it spiritually together, but Jesus called it. He looked deeper than just the the knowledge, he saw that there was a hardness of heart. And it was really based on pride. Um, let me just say this, that one way in which uh, God's Word is scattered or planted or attempted to be planted is through a message or a sermon. Now, that's just one way. In fact, uh, there, there's many ways, number one of which should be, must be, uh, and I encourage you to make it be, uh, your daily time in God's Word. To, to set time aside, if, every, if possible, every day in which just you and Jesus and a Bible and maybe a cup of coffee or whatever can just spend some time with the Lord. But one way in which God's Word is scattered is through a message or a sermon. I am regularly amazed how people can respond differently to the same message. One person can hear it, be in the very same room, and, and, and one person hears it and they receive it, and their direction, their very life is eternally altered. <laughs> Months and years later, they, they, they point back at that time when, when some statement was made, some verse was read, and, and they point to that time and they say, Pastor, it was when in that part of the message that God spoke to me and changed my life. And they look at that as a huge moment. Powerful. And yet, yet in, in the same room, another person who desperately needs it, misses it. Someone who, who desperately needed the same 
The same word misses it. And, I mean, the word is cast and it just, it just, it just, kind, of, it just kind of bounces off of them. And, and they go, what happened? It, it's the same word and yet this is what happens and can happen right here. And sometimes people leave, people leave with eyes as dull as when they entered, with spirits duller, maybe, maybe spirits even in hearts just a little harder than when they came. Both persons are so close to the seeds, but the hardness of one's heart prevents the seed from making a difference. And, and what happens then, the enemy, it makes it very easy for the enemy to just come along and go, well, eh, we're going to take that way. Just in the event that something happens and the enemy comes along and, and he steals, he kills, and he destroys. He snatches it away. He does. And, and, and it never happens. Let me, let me give you some hope this morning. You've not arrived. If you've been serving Jesus Christ for six months, a year, 10 years, 57 years. I don't know why I chose that number. Maybe it applies to you. If you've been serving Jesus for 70 years, you've not yet arrived. You still need to be a person who's growing and deepening and getting stronger and going further and higher and deeper. God, help us from ever thinking in any way that we've ever arrived. I haven't arrived yet. I'm still a student of this Word. I'm still a person who desperately needs the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm still a person who understands His fallibility. Every day I need Jesus. God, help us from ever becoming or thinking that we've even close to arrived. Here's another thing. Unconfessed sin can harden a heart. Unconfessed sin can harden a heart. Now, one of the other soil conditions talks about sin. And, and we're going to look at that in, in two weeks. But when a follower of Jesus Christ chooses to remain in sin, their heart will most certainly become hard. Let me say that again. A follower of Jesus Christ who chooses to remain in sin, their heart will most certainly become hard. They know something is wrong. God's Word and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit tells them that it's wrong, but they keep doing it. <laughs> or they know it's wrong and they do it knowing that after they do it or whatever it is might be, they ask God's forgiveness for it. <laughs> And God is, is quick to forgive. He's do, but what happens in the meantime is their heart becomes just a little harder. And the seeds, they don't penetrate like they should. And ever so subtly, a heart is dried out and it becomes hard. And now as the seed is sown through a message or Daily reading of Scripture, that song comes on the radio that on any other occasion may have done something, all of a sudden it, it really doesn't have its effect. Listen to this powerful text, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me 
and lead me in the way everlasting. What a great prayer. What a great prayer. I encourage you this morning, if there's anything, anything that, that, is, that is in your life that you know is not of God. Well, again, we'll talk more about this in two weeks, but, but it, today, if there's any, you don't have to wait two weeks, if there's anything that, that, that is in your life and you know that it's not God-pleasing, I encourage you this morning, pray that prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Scan me. As that would be a word that give me a, a spiritual scan. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. God, I want to follow you. I know that you can forgive me. God, I confess it to you. I, 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 I call it what it is. It's sin. And I turn my back upon it. And I'm going to follow you. Lead me in the way everlasting. He'll do it. He'll do it. There are others. There are other things that can harden a heart, but there's one more thing this morning that I want to share that can harden a believer's heart, and that is unforgiveness toward someone else. Unforgiveness toward someone else. Later in Mark chapter 11, Jesus said this, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, well, that's that's pretty all-inclusive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. You see, a, a believer who is unforgiving will experience a blockage in their relationship with Jesus Christ. As long as they hold, withhold, or refuse to extend the, the grace that they don't have in themselves, because none of us do. But as soon as they, the moment that they begin to withhold the grace that they have received from God in extending to another person, um, a, a spiritual dynamic begins to happen, and that is a heart, heart becomes hardened. And, um, and there's a blockage, a spiritual blockage. Their, their prayers will not be answered. They will start to blame God for things. They will blame other people for things. And sadly, their, sadly, their hearts will become as hard as stone. And yet, I, I offer you hope this morning through Jesus Christ, and that is that, that He has the grace essential. He has enough grace for you to extend to someone else. And if you think you don't have enough, you're right. You don't have enough, but he has more than enough. And if as you, as you, Jesus himself, so we talked about this in Bible study last Wednesday night. He, Jesus, Jesus said, for, uh, forgive others as, as, as I have forgiven you. There's enough. And, and, and as you do that, as you start forgiving and saying, God, I need more. Send more down. I need, this one really needs a lot. Oh, God, <laughs> send down a boatload. I got over here. Do you, do you know that we, you know, I, 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 I tell this to people sometimes. There are some people that are, that, are, that we call <clears throat> EGRs. Anyone here, here ever heard of an EGR? This will help you. Sometimes we call them EGRs, extra grace required. How many have some EGRs in your life? Don't raise your hand. 
And some people, it's very, you know, you know, easy. And other people, oh, God, here's an EGR. God, send some more down. And he will. He will. And when he does that, there's something else that's going to happen. He's going to start stirring up your heart, and he's going to make it open, and it's going to be powerful, and it's going to be really cool, and it's going to be really powerful, and it's going to be amazing what God does in your hearts as you forgive. Compared to some of you, I know almost nothing about farming. But I do know this, that the ultimate goal of farming is not the planting. (laughs) That's not the goal. It's never planting. It's a means to an end. The ultimate goal of farming is not even growing. It's just, it's, that's part of the process. You want that to happen, it's not the end goal. I do know the ultimate goal of a harvest is a product. A product that provides. A product that nourishes. A product that enriches. A product that helps product that cures, a product that accomplishes something, a product that makes a difference in the farmer's life and in the lives of hundreds and perhaps thousands around them. That's the goal of farming. It's a product that provides and a product that gives us hope for future seasons. Because if nothing is planted, then nothing grows. And if nothing grows, then there's never a a fruit, a grain, a product. And if there's not a product, then within just a very short time, there will not be any future seasons of farming. A few moments ago, a few moments ago, you saw and heard the prayer from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. I want you to see it again here on the screen. Here it is again. Again, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way, of, of, uh, in the way everlasting. Without really taking any kind of liberty, It would be, Lord, know the condition of my heart. Check the soil of my heart. Measure the the density of my heart so so that the seed can be planted. Know my heart. I would like you to, with your eyes open, because you'll need it, to read the words on the screen in front of you. I'd like you to pray out loud and with your eyes open. I would like you to pray this prayer with me, but don't pray it if you don't mean it. 
Please don't do that. Don't do God's Word a disservice. Don't, uh, don't misuse His Word. But if you really mean this, then with a loud a voice, loud enough so that the person even next to you can hear it, I'd like you to pray this prayer with me. If you're ready and you're willing to pray this prayer out loud with your eyes open, I believe God will answer and God will do the check of your heart. Let's pray it together, if you will. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray it again. Let's pray one more time. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I believe that if you prayed that prayer with eyes open, but more importantly, heart open, He will answer that and He will reveal things in your heart. He will reveal the condition of your soil. The last soil condition that Jesus talked about is in verse 8. And that's the optimal one. It's where Jesus talked about the good soil. In a few weeks we will look at that as well. And we'll have some really good soil up here then. This is good soil, but it's going to be a little bit different. But that's the goal, isn't it? To have soil that is ready to be planted and ready to bear a plant and, and, and ready to result in fruit. That is the desire. Be multiplied many, many times over in your life and in the lives of the people around you and beyond you. I'd like you to stand with me, if you would, this morning. We're going to close in prayer. And um, as always, these altars are going to be open. There may be some things that the Holy Spirit has spoken of you to you, and He's already kind of scanned your heart. And, and uh, you know, I'm just going to do this as well. <laughs> I'm just going to do this as well. If, 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 if you'd like to, I'm just going to throw these last kernels of corn here. And, and, and even if you'd just like to later on, grab one of these and, and just take it and put it someplace and, and pray over it. There may be someone here. I didn't plan on doing that. I just felt like I needed to do that now. But Just something tangible for you to take away and say, I'm going to take that and I'm going to pray that, that trust God to do a work in my life that, that is uh, that's going to go far beyond just that one seed. And so I'd like to pray with you now. Again, these altars are open. These seeds are available. More than that, your heart is... Uh, I trust, more prepared to receive what God has for you going forward. This is my first chance to uh, bring God's Word to you in 2017. It continues to be a great honor and privilege and awesome responsibility to do that. But I'm trusting that God has greater things for you and for me, for every one of us here in 2017 than He's ever had before. Because it's a new year. It's a new opportunity. He's continued to give us life we pray over you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters here today. I thank you for their lives, for the soil of their hearts. I thank you for the ways in which you speak to us by your Holy Spirit through your word. And I believe that today you've spoken to us. Lord, may we never be, or <laughs> sometimes we are, Lord, but may we, may we not continue to be hard-hearted. 
May, 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 we, may we take with diligence and anointing and faithfulness and persistence and care and prayer, may we take your word and plant it in other people's lives. Some will receive it, some will resist, but we're going to keep planting. We will not give up. We will not give up. For Lord, the harvest is forever. We pray this. I ask your protection, your favor, your anointing, your blessing, your healing, your delivering, and your directing upon my brothers and sisters here today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Again, these altars are open. Go in the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.